All right. Hello, everyone. Good. Say it with me. Pesach Sameach. Pesach Sameach. Pesach Sameach. Happy Passover. We're celebrating a few days early this year. Passover is actually this Wednesday. So if you want to do this again on Wednesday, just get all these things, get some of these young people together, and you can have your very own your own place. I'm really glad that you're here today for this, and if you paid attention while Pastor was preaching, he was talking a lot about the Passover ceremony, which he held with his disciples, which we only think of as the Last Supper. But it was an actual Passover celebration, much like you're going to see here, that transformed under our understanding of the gospel, transformed into what we call communion or the Lord's table. Now you're going to see different aspects of it here. I'm so glad that I could have all four of my children with me. About the only thing that would be different is that we would not be sitting all on one side of the table so we can all watch TV. It's not that we would be sitting around the table. And that's not my chair. I would have another chair. We would always have an empty chair, and we'll explain that later. Passover. Passover is the remembrance of one of the craziest nights in Jewish history. You've got to think of this, and I know you don't see it on their innocent faces, but they have just seen 10 horrible plagues played out over a few months. They have seen things that you and I have never seen, destruction, death, and whatever. And they have seen a lot of people die. And they've been told by our leader Moses that if daddy goes and puts blood from a lamb on the door outside, that we'll be safe. Let's see, I know you're a firstborn. Oh, you're not. Yeah, you are, and you are. All the firstborns are going to die if they're not inside a house like that. Now, this was the very first Passover. But every Passover since then, it wasn't anything like that. Every Passover since then was simply a memorial to remember that night commanded by God in the book of Exodus. And in telling them to do that, he wanted them to never forget, I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you from the house of bondage. I gave you not just your freedom, but I redeemed you. I paid for you. And it was with the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. At every Passover since that time, nobody's put blood on a doorpost. Not necessary. The redemption was once, once for all in the Jewish history. But Jews, even today, even this very week, will be sitting around a table like this, going through a Passover like this. They call it a Passover Seder. Seder just means the order of it. They'll have slight variations in it. But what I want to bring out to us today is how many things about Jesus are in this. Not about Jesus used to eat this meal every year of the 33 years of his life, but that how Jesus is actually pictured at this table and our dear Jewish friends don't see it. And so today, as you look at this, this isn't merely for your entertainment. Young people, I want you to get this. There are lessons to be learned here. So I hope that it's informative, but I hope that your heart's open and that you're listening for the scriptures. Let's pray, and I won't pray a Jewish blessing. I'll pray to our Father in heaven, in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you this day, and we thank you for the message that we heard this morning and the great reminder of the, the steps to the cross of our Savior. And God, in the midst of all those steps, one of those, a big one, 
was the Passover celebration, the last one he ever celebrated with his disciples here on earth. And God, today, as we look at this, will you bring to mind for me any aspects that will be helpful to us today? And I'm so thankful, God, that we don't have to be Jewish to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. So, Lord, will you bless this time and glorify yourself in this Passover Seder, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With Passover being such an important event to the Jewish people, you would think it would be something that, hey, they just can't get past it. It's, it's part of their Jewishness. Now, maybe something you need to understand. There is no Christian nation on the earth. In other words, there's no nation where you were born and you were automatically a Christian, and not so with the Jews. Because Judaism is a religion on one hand, but Judaism is a culture and a nationality on the other. And Passover transcends that. It covers both. People who have converted to Judaism and people who were born Jews. Even my dear Mama Lena, who according to a DNA test is 1% Jewish. So I feel like, shalom. <laughs> Mazel tov, yes. Keep this in mind that Judaism, even Jews who do not like the scriptures, they don't believe in the scriptures, still will have a Passover meal because to them it's that time to come together as a family. And they may endure some parts of the ritualistic things at the table, but the idea is it's part of Judaism. It's part of being Jewish. We, however, are going to look at it much more than that. Pastor, Pastor mentioned it today. In fact, he saved half of my message. This is normally two and a half hours for me to do this. No, I'm just kidding. But he shortened it up a lot. Jesus' Last Supper, John 13 to John 17, all of that is take, takes place at a table like this. A difference they probably had, by custom, they laid on the floor. They had big pillows laid on the floor. The table was only that high. But they did have a table. They did have attendants coming around, bringing the things. Jesus would have led the Seder in much the same way that I'm leading it today. But in the midst of that, he's teaching. And you know the things that he did. One of the things was, as we'll see here in a minute, they, we wash our hands at the Passover table. He didn't just wash their hands. He washed their feet. Nobody did that at a Passover celebration. At the Passover celebration, he said this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said that at this table. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me at this table. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Except you abide in me, you won't make it. That's here. And he gave the greatest thing that those apostles would realize was sitting at the table. He looked at them and he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send a comforter to you. And this comforter is going to come. And if I can paraphrase, you guys have no idea what great things are going to happen when the comforter comes. It all took place at a Passover meal. All of that. Now, this, this Seder, or the order of this, has different things. And you'll see at the table, you'll see cups of grape juice. We have grape juice, not wine, because we have young children here. Um, we have plates. We have um, a matzotash, not matzotov, but a matzotash, which we'll see in a few minutes. And we have an avikomen. And then we have some different things that I'm going to describe as we go along. But all of these things have special meanings. Now, in addition to this, Mama and anybody else whom we invited would have fixed 
the meal to end all meals. For Americans, it's Thanksgiving. For you and me, maybe it's, it's some kind of a particular mumu, a marriage mumu or whatever, but you think of the greatest feast that you and I have as Papua New Guineans, that's this. You're like, but it's just so little. Oh, no, 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 this is ceremonial. The big meal is in there. The big meal is going to come out later, and we are going to eat, and we are going to get fat karangi. We are going to be, I sleep because we eat so much. So the kids really look forward to it, even though they have to endure the long part of all this Seder. Well, the first part that you do is kind of a strange thing. If you were to read in the book of Exodus, God told them that they could only eat what bread at this meal? What bread? What kind? Unleavened bread. In fact, he didn't just say, I don't want leaven in your bread. He says, I don't want leaven in your house. You've got to get leaven out of the house. Now, you talk about the ultimate spring cleaning. That's what Jewish moms do if they're observant. They will literally clean the whole house, get rid of all of it. In fact, this is, this is a crazy fact of Judaism. If you're a very religious Jew, you can keep some leaven in your house. Like you just went and bought 10 loaves of bread because they were on sale. And hey, oy vey, I'm Jewish. I'm saving money. But how am I going to keep this? I can't keep it in my house. That's okay. The rabbi will let you lock it in the cabinet. You lock it in the cabinet and then the rabbi will sell it to a Gentile. Oh yeah, you can do it all online. Just Google it this afternoon. You need to sell some of your leaven? For Passover this week, you can do it. Your rabbi will do it. He'll sell it to a Gentile. The Gentile will buy it. He'll never come to your house and get it. Passover is finished. You tell the rabbi, I want to buy back you he contacts the gentile the gentile sells it back to you and the rabbi gets a nice cut Oy vey, a little jewish prophet there but it's for real but guess what they do as part of part of the cleaning mom's already cleaned the house never let dad clean the house you, you but what dad has to do because he's the head of the table he has to go around the house and giaman painting sampla leaven about now the jewish hebrew word for that is kamet He's got to go find some comets. So he takes a wooden spoon and a brush, or if he's really cool, a feather, and he goes, there's nothing there, but he's guillemot. Or mom may specifically leave a big chunk of bread right here, and I'm like, oops, it's got to go. And he scoops it all up, and he gets all the comets, all the leaven here, and then he puts it in a paper bag with the spoon. And when they go to synagogue later today, synagogue is going to have a bonfire, a Passover bonfire, where they're going to burn all the leaven before Passover, because we can't start a fire after Passover. So this is what the first thing they would do. You're like, wow, that sounds kind of silly. I'm telling you, this is one of the craziest rituals you'll ever see. Of the pieces of things that we have on the table, we have the dinner plates and we have our cups. Now, what these cups will happen during the, the Seder, and we're not going to do it today, but if we were doing it, four times the cups would be emptied into your belly and refilled. Four different times. And each one of those cups has a different name. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification from Exodus 6, where God said, I will bring you out to myself. The second time they fill it and drink it, it's called the cup of deliverance. And it's thinking that Israel has just been delivered from 10 plagues, and as we remember it each year as a memorial, we were also delivered from that death of the firstborn, which was the original Passover. He said, I'll bring you out of bondage to those people. And then, those two were before Passover, then we eat this huge meal, then the huge meal is done, now we have two more cups we have to drink. One of them is called the cup of redemption, 
And that's from the same passage in Exodus 6 where he said, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. When we read in Luke, it says that Jesus took the cup after supper. The first cup after supper is the cup of redemption, where in Exodus 6 that the Jews read every year is, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. Do you see anything? He didn't say, I will redeem you with a strong and mighty hand. He didn't say, I will redeem you with the ten plagues that I've done before. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. And the fourth cup of the Passover is the one that we drink at the end, and it's the cup of praise because God says, I will take you to me to be a people, and I will be your God. What do we have here on the table? Well, we have a few interesting things. First of all, we have some matzah. Now, this is matzah. This is unleavened bread, much the way the Jews would have baked it, and I'll explain a little bit about that in a minute. It have over really good Jewish people. Well, it's written in English and in Hebrew. It says Passover here, Peshach. And it has six different things. Some of them I don't have on the plates. Hold them up for you. The first thing we would have is a bone of a lamb. Now, there's a problem. To do a Passover properly, you need a tabernacle or a temple. And you need priests. And Israel has none of that. So today, there is no way to do the Passover as it was commanded, or even as they did it in the days of Jesus, as Pastor mentioned, that hundreds of thousands of people coming to Jerusalem to the temple to offer lambs. Why? We have no, we have no temple and we have no priests. So the next best thing is kukim kakaruk nekeke. And so many times, the bone that they set on the, on the table is not a lamb. It's a chicken bone because they can't offer the sacrifice. In fact, because they can't offer the sacrifice, one of the parts of the Passover plate is a hard-boiled egg. Now, I'm not really even sure that they know why they do a hard-boiled egg, but they're like, we can't offer a sacrifice, so we have a hard-boiled egg. It's coming to the center, we have the bitter herbs. It's called maror. Now, maror refers to the herbs itself to remind the children of Israel of the bitterness of their past in Egypt and also today, the bitterness of their history. The Jewish people have suffered like no other nation in the history of the world, even as recently as right now they're suffering. But the maror is to remind them of that. And we have, later on here, we have something, chezeret. Don't you like all these words? They go, ha, ha, ha. That's their favorite sound, ha, chezeret. And this chezeret is made from the maror, and we call it horseradish. Raise your hand if you've ever tasted horseradish. Oh, today. You bring no keke? Oh, horseradish. I'm sweet. You like peanut butter? Everyone that ever tasted horseradish said, don't tell them that. We're going to taste that later. And then the last part is the favorite part. It's called chareset. Say that with me. Charaset. 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 Apples, cinnamon, honey, nuts. It's very sweet. Maror. Very bitter. And we're going to eat that in part of this Seder so that they can remember not only the, the pain and the suffering, but how God's redemption brought them out. 
not just out of Egypt, but across the Red Sea and eventually into the Promised Land. All of these are parts of that. Our Seder will begin with the candle lighting, but before that, let me do something that I would have done before this began. I would have taken the matzah and already have hidden it. Now the matzah is not just an unleavened bread, but to make sure that it doesn't rise, this is their words, we need to pierce it and we need to do something like bruising it and it comes out with the brown spots on it. And then we would put it in the matzatash. Now there is not one Jewish person alive who knows why they do it this way. Because let's just do one, it's just a simple ceremony. No, they don't do one. In fact, they don't do two. The matzatash has three compartments for three pieces. And later you're going to see me do something and you're going to say, why did you do that? Now you ask them, why do you have three? Well, customarily they have two ideas. One, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Other ones go, no, it's the priests, the Levites, and the people. And they're like, guess what? We don't know why we do it. Well, I don't know. I kind of think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, I get to it later, I think you'll agree. To begin the Seder now, I've explained everything, now we'll walk through it, just some of the parts of it. First of all, because a mother brought the light of the world into the world, mother gets to light the candles. And so I'm going to have Mama Lena, uh, she's going to say the blessing in Hebrew and in English as she does it. She doesn't have a microphone, so you can just trust her that she's saying it properly. But you can see how the mother would light the candles to begin the Seder. And then we would begin. The next thing we would do is, of course, what you saw Jesus do differently, is we would wash our hands. Just so these guys aren't worried, there's no water here. But the head of the Passover would come by, and we would wash from our wrists down to our fingertips. That's it. That's it. And dry it. I don't want you to have water on your hands. Now, when Jesus did this, they didn't see it coming that he was going to get down by their feet. They're very used to going through the, the custom of the hand washing, which they call their cots. But Jesus washed their feet. How much greater than even the ideas the Jewish have of being clean. And Pastor talked about it this morning. 
Jesus said, if I wash your feet, you're every whit clean. Peter was like, what about the hand washing? Jesus is like, if I wash you, you're good. The first cup that we would do, and we're not going to drink it, but the first cup that we would have, the blessing would be said for that is this is the cup of sanctification where God said, I will bring you out. And in Luke 22, it mentions Jesus picks up two cups. The first one that he picks up is this one. It's before the meal. And Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks and probably said, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech haolam hagafen. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. The next thing we would do is we would take, I'm going to give this to you guys. Nom, nom. As we take this small piece of kumu, it's edible, guys, don't worry about it. This is the karpas. And we dip this into some salt water to remind ourselves of the tears and our broken hearts of the bondage in Egypt. This is the beginning of the meal. So you just dip it in there and then just taste it. You don't have to eat it. Can you taste the salt water? to remind us of our tears. And you can just set it on the table. As God remembered the tears of his people in Egypt and their bondage and redeemed them and brought them out with a mighty hand and a stretched out arm, didn't Jesus do the same thing for us? When you think of your sin, how God saved you from your sin. Think of this. This was the mighty God that took two and a half million people out of Egypt across a Red Sea. Listen, he's more than willing to take care of you, but better than that, he loves you, and he sees your pain, and he knows where you are. The next step of the Passover is the worst, because this is where I would recite the Magid. I would tell you the whole story of the Passover, Heva, the whole story. Ego, ego, ego. But if I'm a good storyteller, children like it because they're like, oh good, Papa's going to tell us the story of the Passover. And, the, and the, the leader of the Seder will just go through and go through and go through every aspect. I'm not going to do that. Shortcut. But we do, at this time, begin to remember the matzah. At the end of the story, I would take the matzah in its matzatosh, and I would say, this is the bread of poverty that our ancestors ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever is hungry, come eat with us. Whoever is needy, come join our Seder. This year we are here. Next year we will eat it in the land of Israel. This year we are slaves. Next year we will be free. And they recite that every year. You're like, well, aren't they free? Most of them are. But the problem is if they've never trusted Christ, they're not free. They're repeating this thing every year as a ceremony without ever realizing who it's about, which reminds me of this next piece. Remember I said there are three compartments with three pieces here, and they don't know what it is. Let me tell you why I think the middle one is the Son, Jesus. There's the Father in one, the Son in another, 
the Spirit in another. But I'm not going to go into the Spirit or the Father, the top or the bottom. I'm going to go to the middle one. And I'm going to take the middle matzah halfway out. And I'm going to break it. It's broken. Why do they do that, the Jewish people? We don't know. But here's where it gets even stranger. I'm going to put it in my afikomen bag. Now, they don't even use a Hebrew name for it. They use a Greek name for it, the afikomen. Now, this is the kids, one of their favorite parts. All right, you guys, cover your eyes, no peeking. I'm going to hide the afikomen. Don't look, no can cheat. Because whoever finds the afikomen, whoever finds the afikomen, they're going to get a coin. And so when we go searching for the afikomen, when they find it, first one to find it brings it back. They get a whole kina. Sorry, if I had a shekel, I'd give them a shekel, but I don't have any Jewish money fresh out. Okay, you can look. I hid the afikomen. <laughs> Wait till you go find it. No, no, not yet, not yet. Lockle Bob's ready. Now, this is your key part here. This is the key part. Now it's time for the young children to ask the questions. You see, in the book of Exodus, God said, It shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? They're going to ask. Mom and Dad, every year we do this. Now you think, if you have a, a Christmas meal, some of you will read Luke 2 before that, and maybe your children say, Daddy, why do we, we, we want to open the presents, or we want to eat the food. We're ready for the food. Why do we have to listen to this story every year? Well, the Jewish kids would be the same way. But these kids are the best. And so they're going to help me with the four questions that the Jewish children ask at every Passover. So first, let's all together ask the very first question. Ready? Why is this night of Passover different from all other nights of the year? Well, here's why, guys. Because it's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. That's Exodus chapter 12, verse 27. And now one by one, they're going to ask me a question, and I'm going to give them a scriptural answer. Bako Bob, give me the first question. Very good. He wants to know, why are we only eating matzah tonight? Well, the Exodus 12, 39 says, They baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. They had to hurry. Jezaniah, do you have a question? That's a very good question. Why do we eat on this night bitter herbs instead of some really good veggies? The Egyptians, Jezaniah, had made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. I'm sorry, Exodus 1, 13 and 14. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Now I'm going to go in here and I'm going to get a piece of this matzah for you guys. Have you been dying to eat this matzah? Huh? Are you hungry for the matzah? Oh, this is great stuff. There's one for you. Don't worry, I washed my hands last week. All right. Yes, you're actually going to eat this. Okay. Oops, sorry, Marco. Here, you got it? All right. 
Now, wait together, because I want you to do this together. I want everybody to see your lovely faces. Can you scoop some of that off, some of the maror? Just scoop a little bit off. There you go. And for you, there you go. Got some? We're going to taste the bitter herb. Wait till everybody gets it. There we go. And mama. Oh, no. As they eat this, as they feel the taste of the bitter herb in their mouth, it'll help them to remember of the suffering and bitterness of living in bondage in Egypt. Okay, go ahead. You don't have to eat the whole thing. Just bite a piece off and taste that maror. Go ahead. It won't kill you. You just think it will. And you can put it on the table. Can you taste it? Do you like it, Laco? Is it bitter? It is? Mm. It's okay. I'm going to redeem you in just a minute. You still have a piece left? Good. You still got some left? Good. Because we're going to take care of that in just a minute. Justice, do you think you can read your question with your mouth with Maror? Okay. Read us the third question. So if you couldn't hear her, she said, her question is, on all other nights, we don't dip vegetables even once. Why do we on this night dip greens in the salt water like we did before and dip the bitter herbs and the sweet caraset? And the reason is, what we're about to taste is how the sweet caraset is going to make the flavor of what you had before go away. Now make sure you get plenty on this. This is really sweet, trust me. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Get some, get plenty. You're gonna like this one. Uh huh. There you go. And as soon as you get it, you can eat it. Get plenty. You're gonna like it. sweet though is that sweeter is that better is it okay which brings us to the fourth question have a so we've tasted that and we've seen how God removed the bitterness by giving the sweetness of the charaset over the bitterness of the maror to remind us of the bondage but also we've been delivered but this part I think is their favorite part read us the fourth question have a big and loud Okay, wait just a second. Because it said, on that night that they left Egypt, they were to leave in haste. And her question is, why on this night do we recline, do we relax? Well, at the night they left Egypt, he said, you will eat it in haste. You'll have your shoes on. You'll have your, your stick in your hand, your clothes girded, and you're ready to run. But every night since then, we're free. And so since we're free, we get to recline and relax at the table. Do it, guys. Are you relaxed? Everybody except Justice, she's not relaxed. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're like, do they really do that? Yeah, yeah, this is the part the kids like because they're all like, ah, we get to relax. You see, we recline because the Lord has delivered us. But now it's time for us to go through our, 
what we, why this cup is here. We would have already drunk the first cup, but now we're at the second cup, the cup of deliverance from the plague. So I want you guys to take, take the cup, go ahead and move your paper out of the way, and take the cup, either hand, whichever you to hold it in, and we're going to remove the wrath from the cup to make it the cup of deliverance. Go ahead and bring it down in your lap. It'll probably work easier. Just hey, you got it. We're going to do. You're going to put your put your finger in the in the juice, get it wet, and we're going to come back up on the plate and we're going to do one at a time for every one of those ten plagues. You ready? Here's the first one. All right, bring it up and put the drop on the plate. Blood. Say it together. Blood. Next one. Come up. Frogs. Next one. Lice. Say it really loud. Next one. Wild beasts. Next one. Disease. Next one. Boils. Next one. Hail. Next one. Locusts. Next one. Darkness. Next one. Death of the firstborn. And that's what they've been doing, is just drawing the ten plagues out on their plate to remember that God didn't, you can put your cups down, that God didn't just deliver us from Egypt, but he delivered us from those judgments on the land of Egypt. And Christ as well delivered us from all, not just the sin, but the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. People who sin die. But that's not just physical death. It is spiritual death. It is separation from God. The scripture calls it hell. But God, as he redeemed the Hebrews from the land of Egypt and all the judgments of the plagues, he redeemed us from sin's penalty and his own wrath. And as the young people just took the wrath out of the cup symbolically, as the Jews do every year, now they can drink the cup, and it is just a cup of deliverance. At this stage, Mama would exit the room, and all the helpers, and they would bring back in that big feast, and we would eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Sorry, there's nothing fixed for you. I didn't even go to Big Rooster. We don't do that. But we do get to do the next part, which is the children's other favorite part. You guys ready? There's a kina on the line. Go ahead. When I count to three, you get up and you go find the afikoman. First one to bring it to me gets a kina. Three, two, one, go. Go find it. I hit it somewhere. I hit it. You're going to go find it. I told them I would hide it anywhere up here toward the front. And they would. The children would go through the house and try to find the afikoman. While they're looking for the afikoman, do you remember the afikoman was in here? How did, what did I do with it to get it out of here? I broke it. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. And then when it was broken, we took it out of here and we put it someplace and we hid it. As Jesus died for us, he was buried for three days, hidden. And these guys are like the disciples. They don't know where he is. Oh, have a rose. There's a Papua New Guinea shekel.
Good job, guys. Sorry. I put it right straight in front. That just wasn't fair. It was just right down here. But they brought it back. So you think of this. If this, was, if this is a picture of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, his body was broken, and they just brought him back, raised, raised from the dead, brought back to be back with us. The Jews do this every year. They don't know why they do that. They don't know why the people go and search for him. Keep in mind, there's a lot of things that God is trying to do to get the Jewish people's attention to come to him. The third cup that we would drink, which as I mentioned before, is the cup that Jesus would have drunk after supper. Likewise, also after supper, Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. If you remember, that third cup is called the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption, and in the Exodus portion of it, I redeemed you with an outstretched arm. Those disciples don't know this is about to happen, but at that third cup, this is the cup that they used to institute the Lord's Supper that we celebrate today as communion. Now, I keep mentioning that that's not my seat. I would have my own seat. That is Elijah's seat. And Elijah's seat is always empty because one of the things Passover looks forward to is the, not just the restoration to Jerusalem and go back to Israel, but to, to have their king, their Messiah, seated on the throne. And keep this in mind. Pastor just talked about it this morning. As they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They expected him to be what? The king. But the prophecies in Malachi said before the king can come, Elijah has to come first. And so every year, the Jews set a place setting for Elijah, and really devout Jews would now have the children, and I didn't have this for you guys, get up and go open the front door and sing out the front door. And I don't mean pigeons sing out. I mean sing a song for Elijah to come. And then they would stand there, and just like it's happened for 3,500 years, Elijah doesn't come, and they close the door. But Jesus said Elijah has come. What was his name? John the Baptist. And he came before Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of this, and we don't need Elijah's seat. I'm sorry for the Jews who keep waiting for Elijah to come. He's already come. And Jesus is here. And Jesus fulfills every part of this Passover Seder. The fourth cup that the Jews drink is after they've sung out and, and asked for Elijah to come, and he didn't come. The fourth cup is the cup that they drink before they leave and go to their homes, and that is the cup of praise. When we look at the cups that are involved in Passover for Christians, we don't need one, two, and three. Even the third one, which instituted the Lord's Supper, we don't need that anymore because Christ has already redeemed us. He's already saved us. We have the fourth cup, the cup of praise, where we can thank God for the redemption that he's given us and for the 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 blessing of being his children as it said in John 17 or in John 17 and John 18 they went out and, and when they went out they sang a hymn pastor mentioned that the hallel sims hymns those hallel psalms i don't know if you put the connection together hallel u ya hallel u ya hallel praise, ooh, yeah, 
to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We say it all the time. The Jewish people would sing the hallelujah praises right here at the table. They would remember them. They would we'd go through Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 at the table. Jesus had to be somewhere. They had to be at Gethsemane. And they left and they sang those instead of at the table. They sang them as they walked. But the last of those, as Pastor mentioned, is Psalm 118. And in Psalm 118, can you imagine they're singing this and then later, I think almost all of the writing apostles wrote about it. The stone whom the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Speaking of Jesus, they're walking past the temple, across the Kidron Valley with the great temple behind them, lit up at night, and the stone which the builders rejected is with them, not with them. I would end this as I would end anything else as a good Jewish dad. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then let's all take our cups and hold them up in celebration. Hold it up. There you go, up, there you go. You got it? And I would say, Lashana haba'ah bar Yerushalayim next year in Jerusalem. And that would be the end of it. But for us as Christians, we don't say next year in Jerusalem. He said maybe next year in the new Jerusalem. Maybe next year we'll be in the presence of God. And that's our Passover Seder. Father, the sacrifice of Christ is greater than a Passover Seder. But to think of our Jewish friends who do not see Jesus in any way, shape, or form, I would even pray that this Passover, this coming week, that someone would be able to speak to them and share with them small pieces that they might even look at their own customs and see the pictures of the Redeemer, the Savior, the King of the Jews, and that they might realize that Christ is their hope. Christ is not only their temple, Christ is their Lamb, the Lamb of God which takes away sin, the sin of the world. And Lord, I thank you for everyone's patience this morning. I pray that we would go away not rejoicing in what we observed, but Lord, rejoice in the fact that Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. And Lord, again, we thank you for this time to worship together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.